Hey guys, I'm Lance. And I'm Kayla. We are the Jaded Roses, and this is our Broken Mirror. Where we dive deep down and take a really good look at ourselves, each other, and everything around us. Let's just hope we don't get any glass lodged somewhere unseemly. No, I actually don't think I have a story time. I do not have a story time this week. I actually have had a very boring week, thankfully, relatively. Mostly been depressed, so, uh... You know... Yeah, so this week has been mostly major depressive episode week, which, you know, we stand for. And (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, uh, so there was that. But otherwise, no, thankfully it's been a relatively boring week. I love those, uh, especially in 2020. Love me a boring week. Literally nothing happened, which is perfectly fine with me. So since there's no story time this week, we're just, I guess we'll just jump right into what today's uh, episode is about. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, So uh, we were supposed to do a little bit of this last episode. Um, Things Uh got in the way. (laughs) We would like to take this time to properly introduce ourselves to the audience now that you've had the chance to get hopefully like a good two hours and change, possibly three hours Mm -hmm. of us talking into your system. Uh, We just figured you might like to know a little bit about us, you know, before we continue this train wreck. (laughs) We've we've been doing all right. Oh, yeah. It's been all right. right. (laughs) For us, the fact that it hasn't been so majorly off topic every single time is pretty good. One out of two is fantastic for us. That's what to say. The first episode, we literally went in with nothing and it kind of shows. But. (laughs) Yeah. But at least for the first one, we kept on topic of where we were at. The last episode was, It you went know. a little everywhere. At least we did have, we did mm-hmm. have that, that list. We, that's, that's like the, the we focus. We, no, the whole, the horror movie yeah. list. So yeah, all of that down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this week we're just going to kind of talk about us, how we know each other, um, why we decided to do this, I guess, right. too, and like maybe a little bit of nitty gritty story lane road time. So I am Kayla, just to reintroduce myself. I don't know how much of this I should go into, but yeah, I'm Kayla. I live in Washington for the moment. I'm a lab manager. Yeah, that's current stuff. So who are you, Lance? <laughs> who am I? I'm Lance. You couldn't tell from what she just said and, you know, the intro that you've heard multiple times now. I'm currently living close to the center of Mississippi, which is actually where I grew up as well. Found myself back here. Don't judge. I'm trying to get out. He is. He's working on it. We've. Been, I've been working on this train for years now. It's, it's going to happen. I'm going to get him down. And it was in motion <laughs> before I even met her. But um, but now that I'm here, I make it point blank. You you leaving? You leaving the area? Yes, yes, she is. <laughs> and um, I am currently a pharmacy technician for. I'm guessing a pharmacy. Yeah, <laughs> that would be really weird if I was a pharmacy technician for not a pharmacy. Well, that's why I was just gonna go with I'm guessing pharmacy of some kind. <laughs> yeah. So that's how uh, that's who we are for the moment. We for know each moment. other from our escapade into graduate school for chemistry Woo! Woo! <laughs> good 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 times good times talk about fucking train wreck <laughs> <laughs> fuck. 
Yes, we did a we did agree that we won't drop names. We won't mm-hmm. say what school or any of the professors. No, no, no. Anything like that. Absolutely not. But yeah, we we both did not um, terribly enjoy our foyer and uh, graduate school. No, and like you know, we had different reasons why, and like we both still loved the subject. It's not. It's definitely not a don't love chemistry in general. We both de- deeply love it, from what I know about you. We both still deeply I mean, love it. I would hope. We just both had um, not the best experiences, and we both like to understand why and what happened. And I think that's why it's like, thankfully, um, we both have grown from it. Um, like you've said in the pe- previous episode, you've thought about going back to grad school. Oh, yes. I actually plan on submitting that application tomorrow. <laughs> I'm excited for you. By the way, I too. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> it's uh, it's hard. You just need like an epiphany, like I yeah. had about this time last month. Yeah, but like I guess for you though, um, even though it's an epiphany, it also it was a shocking epiphany to me. It was um, I know it's a shocking epiphany, I guess to you, but I'm not surprised that you're going down this road. You, it makes total and complete sense. I think you'll be truly happy. Fingers crossed, because your boys wanted to be happy for a I've long time. I've been wanting you to be happy since I became your friend, so... But not before that. Well... <laughs> We're getting there. Yeah! <laughs> There's a lot of things that happen there. <laughs> I guess that's a good point where we can start, too, because like we said we know each other in grad school. But how did we come to know of each other? Lord. Um... <laughs> I want to hear from your perspective first, because I know we, you and I have talked about my perspective multiple times, but I would love to hear from yes. about your perspective first. I do not remember hearing much about you mm-hmm. until we met. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm actually trying to rack my brain, because I don't think... Because we didn't meet for a while. Like, a, right. probably a month into me being there. Because even though we went to grad school together, you were there previous to me. Yeah, I started a year before you yeah. did. Yeah, because I, I was, I, we were, we should have, honestly, if I had graduated on time, we probably would have been starting there at the same time, but I didn't because classes, if anyone's in college, you know how classes are sometimes, oh, this is only going to happen every two years on an even year or something <laughs> and ridiculous like that. So um, I, I got pushed back a little bit because of class scheduling, um, which was not a big deal. It was a, a bad thing that i needed to do it um i think it actually helped me in the long run to do that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh so yeah you didn't really know anything about me till you we met well i mean i didn't really talk to nobody and uh you and miss ladyface mm-hmm. you know who i'm talking yep. about uh started at the same time mm-hmm. so i hadn't really gotten friendly with her because i think i i think I didn't really start getting friendly with her until we started getting friendly. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you, from what I know is about you, you pretty much were hanging out um, primarily with people from your year or um, from your group, your research group at the time. Right. There was one dude that we graduated at the same time. He ended up in your group. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but we didn't, we didn't really hang out. But I, but I knew him and we were cool. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you, you pretty much knew and talked to people from your your year or from your group for the most part. Right, and it just didn't really extend out. Yeah. Yeah, so that was uneventful. But <laughs> So! <laughs> yeah, before, before actually meeting, 
met so far we've gotten. Uh-huh. So before we actually officially met, and by officially, I mean we spoke to each other. I knew of you because we were both teaching as part of our graduate school experience at the time. I was quickly betrothed as the bitch TA because of the fact I um, read people's lab reports and graded them accordingly and graded them and told them why they were wrong. And that was wrong of me. (laughs) How dare I? But when I would talk to other people about this, because I was like, I don't understand what the big deal is. I'm grading them like I'm not doing anything special different. And that's when I learned, well, most TAs don't put a lot of effort in TAing. (laughs) Don't give two shits. And they, they get handed a piece of paper and they say, oh. Yes. Yeah, pretty much you're given a hundred for putting it in. And like, I got complaints against me and all this stuff. Uh, So I went around and I asked other TAs, like, what what's going on like what do i do um i'm not gonna just grade them easy because they shouldn't be just given a grade for coming in when they're they're being destructive in my lab or they're just not understanding material enough or just not giving everything you're supposed to for lab and that's when i learned about a fellow ta named lance who by all accounts yes who dad (laughs) by all accounts was doing the exact same as me he was also grading harshly he was also um making people put in the work and put in the effort into their schoolwork like we were putting into taing and initially i like i like my thing was i respected you for being able to do that my thing was though i hated you based on principle of the fact that people still loved you and said that it's okay that you did that primarily because you were male because yeah, even so that is something that we've talked about mm-hmm. a lot that because you and I were doing the same thing exact same and things. most if not all the other TAs were not mm-hmm. you got the harsher end of the reactions mm-hmm. while people still tended to really like me yeah they liked and respected you i was deemed evil not and i was told i didn't know what i was doing when if you just, if you said to me like teaching wise, I didn't understand what I was doing. Yeah, okay, that would be fine. That would be accurate. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but if you said to me like you don't know what you're talking about based on science, which is what I came in to do and had already had a previous degree in, you were incorrect. So, um, but yeah, even when um I took it to our supervisor because he he brought me in about the complaints i said you cannot hold these against me because of the fact that there's another ta who does the exact same things as me and i think at that point i had talked to you briefly about it because i want confirmation before i went to him yeah i do think our first conversation was like do you do this this kind of like yeah. that kind of thing yeah yeah that was our first true conversation it was pretty much point blank because at that time i was very much this is ridiculous this should not be held against me for doing my job because another TA is also doing his job but there's no complaints against him I know that was the first time we talked and it was again it was brief I know we didn't talk long because I remember our first oh yeah I think you were in the middle of like a mission or something so you were just like yeah no fluffy talk no do you do this yeah because again I think I was about to go have my meeting with our supervisor and Mm -hmm. bring him down on what was happening because I did not feel like and I told I think I told him exactly that I said if they are complaining about my teaching style fine I can accept that and I can like alter that but if they're complaining about grading which was the primary complaint I was like they're doing wrong (laughs) so I don't understand what the problem is and just for like clarification Mm -hmm. 
I also had a, I think, a reputation for being slightly harsher than you. Yes, you were. Because I remember. There, there was that time I failed an entire two sections mm-hmm. on a lab. I gave like 20-ish. So I gave like 35 yeah. zeros See, in a 38 to 40 person class. Yeah, yeah, because I remember that. Because you told me, because um, I asked you about some of your grading styles. And you were harsher than me on some things. I remember that, and I remember, I don't know if you had to do this because you did fail two classes for a lab. I, however, had one class that failed, half failed, and half, mm-hmm. you know, passed. But I was, I, I don't remember if you remember this was happening, but I was told to give them a chance to earn credit back. I was never instructed to do that. I was told but to. But specifically when I did fail those two sections... Again, for the record, it was like citation things, and I'm sorry, but if you take somebody else's work, you know, for the introduction of your lab report, and you don't say where you got it from, yeah, you, I'm sorry. I was gonna say you you were way harsher about citations than I was. I just wanted you to admit where you got the material and not right. copy but like, but work, I gave but them still. everything. It wasn't like I want you to cite in this format, and so they had to look for it. No, I gave them what le- website to look at. I said even if you get it straight out of your organic textbook from lecture. Mm-hmm. I want you to cite yeah. it. If you find some Wikipedia article cite article it. that you really liked reading, that's fine. Cite it. Oh, see, but that was one thing. I will say, I never allowed Wikipedia. I never. If you cited Wikipedia, I told people, never cite Wikipedia. You go to, fine, go to Wikipedia to start with, but you click the citation of what you want. And right, you give even me, Wikipedia is cited. Exactly. Give me that citation. Do not give me Wikipedia. <laughs> Do not. That is not. And like I'm, I'm. We are talking about science. So for science, there is a specific criteria usually, which is you. We prefer people go into articles, books before they go to websites and things like mm-hmm. that. So um, that's why for me, I said no Wikipedia at all. But that didn't mean you can't start with Wikipedia. <laughs> I mean, like there, were, it was one of those things where it's like you start there, but you don't end there. Right, um, but the only, and the only reason I let them use like Wikipedia or something mm-hmm. is that I've been in that situation because like we had to cite like I was making them cite mm-hmm. for like um, instrumentals papers. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I remember so many instances where like the textbook didn't explain something right. I didn't quite remember how the TA had explained it. So I, in the throes of just wanting to get something onto the page, because for that entire semester, I took that lab. I was doing the lab reports literally like the morning of mm-hmm. them being due. Um, That was my graduating semester. Oh, okay. That makes more so, sense. So like everything, everything, all the classes got pushed to the back burner and I was trying real hard yeah. to get research done. Mm-hmm. And so I can, I was, I remember a lot of times where I was like, it's five o'clock in the morning. I haven't slept. Yeah. And I just need to know what, I don't know, what frequency this color comes out of this specific yeah. thing. And I like, but you had to find a primary source because that's a high level class and they would don't allow Wikipedia. Gotcha. Like, and that was part of the thing. Um, but yeah, so that's initially we met in that brief moment where I was on a mission. But let's talk about the moment we truly, truly oh met. God. Oh, the help desk. Yep. <laughs> A, um, for those who don't know, the uh, Help Desk was a departmental peer-led study group 
generally specific for organic. Yes. However, randomly, we would get somebody that was taking gen chem that would wander in mm. somehow. And that happened maybe like every three or four weeks. Yeah. Just somebody would be like, well, I'm in gen chem. We're like, why the fuck are you here? Yeah. <laughs> You're not in the um, right place, honey. <laughs> right. You might want to start there first before you worry about gen chem. Go to the right location for the help. But yeah, we would help them too. Like yeah. we, we had uh, the knowledge. Yeah, definitely, because they they needed help. We we knew how to do yeah, this stuff. So. Exactly. We would prioritize the organics because that's why we we're there. Yes. But you know, if they were in the middle of working out a problem, we'd be like, "Oh, okay. What do you what are you here yeah. for? What, what do you need?" Yeah, I remember <laughs> we would always just tell the Gen Kim kids like, "Get out of your work." Get to where you have the question while we help the other students first. And as right. soon as we might have a total of about twenty seconds to talk to you. Exactly. And then we'll have to do what we're here to be paid to exactly. do. Exactly. Exactly. We were there to do a certain job. But like all of the Gen Chems really appreciated it because like they did come oh, yeah. in at the wrong time, but they needed the help still. So like we did do our best to help them, even if we didn't know like because I know every um, department has um, some kind of um, online software they use. And when it was yes. those things, that's when I usually said, okay. <laughs> I know that's when I said usually, I will try and help you, but I don't know your program. So I can't right. help you in the terms of like if something's inputted wrong. I can't look at it and see where it's inputted wrong immediately for you. So I did. I always gave like a precursor warning about those. Full disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Right up front. Nope. Can't can't fully help you with these. Um, I if it was a real problem, then I usually just told them contact your TA or contact the instructor because that's an actual issue you need to have dealt with. Right. Um. But yeah. So let's talk about. I did. I did hate when the students came in with fucking online homework issues, but oh, yeah. it's because of how they were putting it in. Because it's just like, oh my god. Well, well, I really- there were a lot of times that like, they would end up like clicking really far to the right mm-hmm. on the map. And it would put like a C for carbon. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't show it. Yes. But it would be there. <laughs> yes. And that was it was stuff like that, though. It was like stuff like that where um, me and someone, because I, I, I think you've had this problem, too, where sometimes it was the wrong answer that they wanted in the program. Yes. And um, so those were the times where we would be like frustrated as all can be about the programs and be like. And you have to convince them like you're going to have to take an L on this question. Oh. So that we know what the answer yeah. is. I had to tell them, but I also told them, contact your um, instructor about this specific question. They'll usually take it off. Yeah, and, like, tell them what happened. Because I had to do that when I was in undergrad, too. Like, it's not mm-hmm. just a single software issue. It's a multiple software issue where they oh, yes. want the wrong answer. And it's like, that's not why. <laughs> it's literally not. We're not even talking about mm-hmm. whatever you're on. Exactly. And I would, um, I know I would always email my professor and be like, this was wrong. This was wrong. This was wrong. I know I did this right. I know I did this right. And <laughs> he would respond with, by the way, you need a TA for this class? Cause I got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I went, when I was an undergrad, I went to a primarily undergrad institute. So it was, um, mm-hmm. so he, there was no TAs. He was the, he did the lab. He did the instructing. Um, so he had to deal with me a lot. Just being like, right. this is wrong. And then sometimes he would just be like, no, you're wrong. I was like, no, I'm not. And like, we would prove that the program was still wrong. But I was also still wrong. <laughs> so he was like, you and the program are both on two different wavelengths. But somehow you're both on the wrong wavelengths. I was like, all right. Okay, but my premise still stands. I was like, I still am correct. Program is wrong. Right. <laughs> 
He was really funny about it. I, I love him. He was a great instructor. Yeah, so let's talk about how we met specifically, which was right. the help desk so day. At the, so the help desk had to be staffed by all the organic TAs for one hour every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just so happened to make, because I enjoyed doing that so much. I actually just started going, I started by going early. And I think that semester you had me either, like you had it either an hour before or an hour after me. Yes, I think I was an hour um, before you because I was very confused. And so I came early. Yeah, I was very yeah. confused by your because pro- you were there, I think, before. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah, because you were already there before I even started. And I walked into you is just sitting there with a student. And I was like, what? <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> yeah, because I think it was after the first semester that you did mm-hmm. it. So your second semester mm-hmm. was when Miss Ladyface and I traded basically being right before and right after each other. Yes. Until I left. Yes. And that was because um, I remember because I was like, I was kind of peeved because I was like, God, he's like the better. Because I remember because I was irritated because you were seen as the as a very good TA. But I was bitter because of the fact that you were considered a better TA because you were male. But I was doing the exact same things as you. And that really bothered me. So the fact that I had to share space with you for an hour where we had to help students <laughs> and we had to show our knowledge. I remember just being like, this is like my worst idea of how to spend help desk right now. I don't want to be. You probably wanted to scream like patriarchy at me or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I remember because I was like, I was just so because like I knew it wasn't. It wasn't like you were doing it on purpose. Like, and I knew that. So like that's why I was like, it was not so much you as was you were representing to me in the moment. Right. And right. Right. <laughs> I was just like. I don't want to be compared to this man for the rest of the time I'm here. I are because like I was already being it was already being done to me after one semester, so I was like I can't do it the whole time. I cannot be compared to him for teaching this whole time. <laughs> I can't do it. Jokes on you! It's inescapable. I know. <laughs> I think that day was it wasn't slow. Mm-hmm. We had like one or two, one or two the whole time, but we had that one student specifically the whole time. There was one student right. who um would come in repeatedly because. They needed help. Unfortunately for them that day, and they loved Lance. They loved Lance wholeheartedly. They did not care for me. Because <laughs> um, I remember it was one of the students who would always be like, where's Lance? And I was like, I'm here. <laughs> you could ask me. And like, that's what they did when they came in. They just started talking to you, which was, I was like, I'm here. This is my it's hour. my hour. Yeah, I was I was peeved <laughs> at that, but I was like, you know what? Whatever. I think I started working on something. And this student was always funny. Like, she, uh, they were just a funny person in general. But... <laughs> we both managed to get, like, we had, half an hour of sleep the yeah, night Yeah, I was going to say, neither of us slept pretty much the night before. Because during that time, like, we were both still doing research, hardcore. Uh, I know I was doing classes. I was finishing up my class. Yeah, so we were both like in that state of mind of just get this done, get this done, get this yeah, done. Yeah, so we had both been up really early, mm-hmm. got like half an hour of half sleep, an hour. and it's the early evening. Mm-hmm. So we in the day. So we still had. Um, so it's early. Yeah, it was early afternoon, evening time. So it's like you know we still had a couple hours even after this that we had to go do work. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I don't know how it started that day, but they did something. And yeah. it, Somebody said something. Yeah, and it sent us rolling 
into laughter and I don't even know what it was but I remember them being confused and both of us we and we're just laughing so hard yes. we're both crying yeah. we can't breathe we could and I, we got to it was so it was so hard laughing where it was we couldn't look at each other without laughing no, again or else we would it would start again yeah yeah, yeah. And it was like, it was a magical connection from two people who really never spoke and <laughs> did anything together. The insomniacs bond. Yes. And it was, it was so funny. It was just, it was such a funny time. Because I remember before that, um, I think Miss um, Ladyface, as you like to refer to, she actually recommended hitting that with you first because- Because uh, I was just that cool? Yes. And- oh. um. <laughs> She recommended hanging out with you first, and I said, I don't know. <laughs> from what I've heard, no. Yeah, I was going to say, from what I understand, he represents everything I don't want everyone to compare me to, so no. <laughs> I can't have him be near me in, in times outside of work. <laughs> and lo and behold, uh, we bonded uh, for life that day. <laughs> Over Nothing. no sleep. Yeah, except like we literally had no sleep. It was the laughing. There was no context to it. I don't think if it was even something. I think truly it was not I th- even. I think it may have been indirectly inspired. Yes, by something like they did something funny. Yeah, and I think one of us made like a comment, yes. and then it kind of sat there for a few seconds. Yes, I think that's what it was. And then we looked at each other, and that's why we couldn't look at each other yes. again. Yes. Because we caught eyes that first time and we died. We died. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was so funny because like, it was, yes, it was ins- that day. It was like inspired by a funny comment um, one of us made, but it was real funny because like that laughter that we have where we just, we can't even help it where we laugh. And that's why when we look at each other, we just die even more. That re- that ca- that was just part of our friendship from there on. That's just something we always yes. did. <laughs> We just couldn't do it. <laughs> like, even right now, we're not looking at each other. Yeah. We're literally... So pretty much then on, if we were, like, at a party and somebody said something funny, we couldn't look yeah. at each other. We just couldn't do it. And... We couldn't do it. We could not be trusted together. <laughs> do not... Because, like, even... It became... um Because we were really big on... I was really big on innuendos, too. So, I know... Oh, yeah. Um... Whenever any window was made, I knew we couldn't look at each other if it was like in a public forum because we would not hold it. Even especially if it was accidental, because yes. I know there had to be sometimes in like uh, the seminars that somebody said something oh and God. we would just have to like, nope, nope. can't do it, can't do it. <laughs> and I, because like we would, I know there was different times where we stifled laughter because of that, and we were yes. just like, I can't. Do it. That's when I think I learned I had to go sit in the back. <laughs> yeah, away yeah. from me. Because <laughs> I loved you, but we could not be trusted together. Like, we could barely be trusted together at a Mexican restaurant without doing our erup- rupture laughter that people were like, what the fuck is wrong with them? <laughs> That's a whole different story. They started sitting us all the way at the back. Yeah, we deserved that, though. <laughs> we did deserve that. We got real loud. We got real loud, um, and we were there a long-ass time, and depending what happened the last time we were there, depending on where we sat in the back, (laughs) because even in the back, we started being placed in certain areas. Yeah. So, 
I think, because, like, I know there was a few times where I was sat in the front, and it was the times where you weren't there. But anytime you and me were together, they made sure to put us in the back, unless our group was too big and we needed the tables in the front. Look, they they caught on real They caught quick. on real fast. <laughs> they're, they're fine separate, but... No. Yeah, they caught on real fast. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we can handle them separately. Together, we need to put them in the back. <laughs> and it wasn't like we were doing it on purpose. It was just something that naturally happened with us. We get drunk. We'd laugh. I was gonna say it, it was even. It happened even when we weren't drinking yet, and that was the part where I think they were confused because <laughs> we would do it before we even started drinking. We would have that laughter going, and they're like, "No, <laughs> you're bothering the other patrons." Yes. Well, like they rarely. Okay, first of all, they rarely had people in when we were in. It was not always unless we went on the weekend. Then it was usually packed, right? Or a Friday. Yeah. That's why we usually ended up going on like Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Exactly. Cause... Like we usually went when it was um, less people, anyways, because we didn't usually midweek. You needed a drink. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. like we did go. I know one instance in particular. We went on like a Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. Because there was a game that weekend. Oh my god, yes. And we were... and everybody else was so loud and so obnoxious. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember that because we we did drink that night. But even we were like, man, these people are obnoxious. Fuck, can y'all calm down? Yes. <laughs> because like, I remember also they did a chant. And... Oh, and that triggered me. Yes. And... And there was only one so. other person at our table, and they joined in the chat. <laughs> and we were both nope. just like, I think we just started drinking. You're, you're more. just and you're just anti that spirit. Yeah, and I was emotionally triggered from my freshman year, yeah. so I just like, nope. I'm just gonna st- I'm just gonna drink, and I'm gonna pretend like this is not happening. <laughs> happening, yeah. It was, and like I thought I remember because like when we when we went there, we were there for the night pretty much. We were there till closing. Mm-hmm. Like I always made sure I tipped well though, because I always because like we weren't oh, there yes. for a long time. But um, I made sure I tipped well because I was like, you guys do have to deal with this a lot. But at the same time, we do pay a lot because <laughs> like we would order yes. like we, we always get like two or three. I was gonna pictures. say we usually always. each person was gonna be charged one pitcher Basically, on top of yeah. a meal, and so yeah. it's like and probably snacks if you were there long. I was enough. gonna say if we were there long enough, sometimes we ordered queso to keep us over too. So, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like we weren't, we were just sitting there either. We weren't just sitting there. Because, like, we kept drinking. If we were no longer drinking, we left. Yeah. Uh, that was a good thing. And, like, there was stuff close by. So, we could go walk around somewhere for a little bit before we got, um, before we left the area. I know Walmart got it a lot. Mm-hmm. The CVS got us. The, the CVS. The CVS was right is. next yeah. to it. Because that, that, that's in the same block. Yeah, yeah, it was right next door. I was, I was trying to look the opposite direction, yeah. Yeah, because it was like right next door. So we, because um, you used to park in that parking lot. Yeah. And we were just Because I, hate, I hated the hill into the parking uh, lot. Rightfully so. It was an awful hill. Um, <laughs> and like they didn't have a lot of parking, even though they had a lot of space inside. They didn't have a lot of parking. Right. So, um, you used to park over there. Know. It always worried me when Miss Ladyface would park in that parking lot and, like, she would take us to Walmart. Mm. <laughs> and I'd have to be in the back seat as we climbed that hill. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're just gonna flip. Yep. <laughs> it was always an adventure. <laughs> this is a good time to say, don't drink and drive. Um, yes. But if you're going to, as someone in my past, very important in my past, once said, the only reason people get caught drinking and driving 
is because they don't have enough practice. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting that quote, but I know exactly who did that quote, and it just shocked me. (laughs) You saying the quote just shocked me. I was like, I know exactly who said that. And... (laughs) You should. I've told you before. I know, but the thing was, it wasn't just you who's told me that quote. Multiple people have told me that quote. And I'm just like, what? That's a quote from an actual person, okay? Hold on, multiple people? <laughs> yes, multiple people have told me that quote. When when that quote was uttered to me, uh-huh. only like four other people were at that table. Yeah. And none none of them, to my knowledge, do you know? It, was, it wasn't just a one-time thing. <laughs> it uh, wasn't just oh, a okay. one-time quote said to you. Th- that makes sense. I was going to say. I'm... Well, I, f- I figured because he had been mm-hmm. heavily under the influence at the time. Yeah. And it wasn't even said to me. It was said to a fellow undergrad in the lab. Mm-hmm. It, it was not, Ooh. you were not the, oh, it was not the only time. It's, it's good to know that uh, he has He's his consistent. standard, yeah. yeah, his standard pickups. Yeah. He says he has consistent quotes. Um, but yes, I remembered who said that. And yeah, multiple people have told me Ooh. that. Uh, so not surprised. It was just surprising to hear it, I guess, in this context, because I didn't expect it. And like usually, so the lesson is don't drink, don't and, drink drive, and drive. But all. if if you're going oh to practice, practice. Fuck. <laughs> oh my god, this was not our quote. Let's just say that at least. <laughs> <laughs> like this is not our quote. Yes, that is from somebody else. Yes, we do not promote drinking and driving. We we do not endorse no, not drinking all. and driving. That is highly illegal. Highly illegal. In highly dangerous. Most places, very irresponsible. Extremely irresponsible. Zero out of ten. Yes. Would not recommend. Definitely not. Um, so, even though that quote is funny as fuck, uh, don't do it. <laughs> if you're going to do anything in a car after you have been drinking, because don't, do, don't drink in the car. Don't do that either. But if you're going to do anything in a car after drinking, you need to be passenger, mm-hmm. front passenger or back, or you need to be sleeping, preferably in the back seat. I was going to say, because um, I do know people who have pulled over to um, sleep it off, mm-hmm. and I encourage you 100% to do that. If you do get into your car, realize you are still too drunk, pull over. And sleep it off. Sleep it off. But there but are some places that I was gonna say, if they catch you- I say, you on. Yes, if they catch you in the driver's yeah. seat with your car on, they mm-hmm. can still get you with a DUI, so exactly. make sure you're in the back. In the back, no car on. Like, your car cannot be on. If you are still drunk at all in your car, you cannot have your car on. So if you do have to sleep it off, um, like, set an alarm or something to reheat your car or something, because you cannot have the car on. Right. Because it's And while your car is reheating, you should probably, like, be awake. step outside. Yeah. And- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, you you really cannot, you cannot have, in certain states, you cannot have the car on at all while you're trying to sleep it off. It's just a safety hazard because they also don't, because they don't know if you're about to try and drive, to be completely fair. if you have driven. Exactly. And if you've pulled off to the side of the road, you most likely have driven already a little bit. So, um, so that's why you should find a parking lot, too. Most officials would be fine letting you, like, slide if you don't drive. 
more. Like if you yeah. were responsible enough to realize, hey, I can't drive, I pulled over. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on the a person. lot of factors. Yeah, but but yeah, that's why it's it's very it is really important to just not do it at all if possible. But you know, if you, you can do- recognize before you even touch the car yeah there's um yeah exactly that's why i said like we were we would walk around walmart <laughs> we would walk around cbs or cbs i remember we jump across CBS the street to lady faces apartment and just kind of oh, hang out yeah weird. yeah i mean pretty much do anything for the most part except drive waffle house is good oh my god waffle house is so good <laughs> <laughs> It is such a good one for drunk. I couldn't believe in our in our town we didn't have a Waffle House to go to. No, we had Huddle House. I know, and I was shocked that there was a Huddle House. I was like, what the hell is that? Where's Waffle House? It's like rich man's Waffle House. Yeah. Oh, we would go across the street, too, to McDonald's a couple of times. Oh, yes, McDonald's. We did that a couple of times. We just went across That's the street where to McDonald's. Ladyface's dude boy like came on to me weirdly. <laughs> different, different story, different day. <laughs> And so that 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 happens a lot. So there was um it was my senior year mm-hmm. and it was I think at the point that you started he was the most senior grad student in another one of the organic labs. I think so, yeah. He was one of. Yeah. Right. But he was my inorganic TA. Oh, okay. And you know, only chemistry majors take Inorganic. In or inorganic. Yeah, because so, that's a hell class. <laughs> right. And so there were literally like six of us in that lab, including him. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought about it the other day, because what did he say? Somebody I don't know. There's a lot of like standing around for hours. It's worse than organic. And we had to be, according to him being the TA, we had to be in that lab for the entire time unless the instructor for the course told him that they could leave early. Yeah. Because that's how much of a hard ass he was. Ugh, he was worse than us. Right. And <laughs> so... How did I get so much hate? Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> well, he was tenured. Yeah, that's true. Um, But... True. So there was just a lot. Like, hours and hours. Because we were blocked in for about four hours. Four or five hours mm. a week in that lab. Okay. And so, some days we just had like three hours of nothing. And we just, we talked about like a lot. And somebody had asked him who he finds attractive or this, that, and the other. And I mean, he was a very like private type of guy. So like yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't talking. He would just be like, we really don't need to, you know, talk about that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And they would push him and somebody brought me up for whatever <gasps> reason god and he looked at me i was i was still there (laughs) he just like looked at me and he was like yeah lance is okay (laughs) and i was like i don't i don't know what to do with this information (laughs) so so i feel like i feel like the rest of that entire lab was like super awkward for both of us yeah i don't know his personal life but i do know yeah that he has at least partially into women Yes. I have no evidence to suggest he is into guys. No, I was gonna say I have no. Um, so I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's just really funny. Also, just just so everyone knows, any TA who does that, you shouldn't actually answer that kind of question. That is actually very uh, 
Right. It's inappropriate. Ri- ridiculously inappropriate. Yeah, you should be telling I think, them no. I think his answer was because I was literally right in front of his face and he didn't want to, like, embarrass or hurt my feelings. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's where it came from. Yeah. Because I haven't read much into it ever. Yeah, but still, if you're a TA, you definitely should not be crossing that line, but... Um, he had the right idea beforehand, and then for whatever reason, he decided to cross the line when a student was brought up. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think it was because probably he was getting so, um, because that person- flustered. He just wanted it to stop. He just wanted it to stop. Um, But as a TA, you have full grounds to tell them to stop and to pretty much tell them to be quiet for the most part for the rest of the lab if they can't hold it together. It's it's okay to put your foot down a bit and like, if you don't shut up, I'm going to fail you for this lab. (laughs) I just meant take a couple points off, maybe. If they keep pushing it. Um, just because, yeah, you do have to keep that line. And I know TAs believe they don't have that line because they're close to the student's age. But there is a line. You do have power over them. Yeah. So do you not are cross in an authoritative position. Yeah. Do it never, may not feel like it. It may not feel like it, but you are teaching them. You have control of their grades. Do not cross that line with a student. Just don't. It's never a good idea. It's severely inappropriate. Um, it doesn't matter if you are the exact same age as that student. You, They are the student, and you are their teacher, pretty much. So do not cross that line. Lots of uh, PSAs in this episode. I'm giving a lot of PSAs of, like, <laughs> don't do I this. I think the episode for this one's going to be PSA. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much a PSA. Um, the funny thing is, it's pretty much has a bit about anything we've done directly. <laughs> Right. It's always something someone else said. Something someone else. It's pretty much everyone else saying these things around us. And I think it's because we do make people feel comfortable with us. Yeah. Um, And so things tend to come out. Yeah, things, even inappropriate things seem to come out of them. Um, But yeah, just so everyone knows, don't cross (laughs) that line. So what we've learned so far this uh, episode, everyone, is no drinking and driving. If you're gonna pull over after drinking... Pull over and shut your car off. And then don't mess with a student. Even even just uh innocently innocently asking a question, answering a question like that. Even if you don't want to hit on them or anything, answering that kind of question is extremely inappropriate, it makes them feel uncomfortable, and it ruins your trust with that student for the rest of the time. There's so many PSAs in this one episode. I guess so. <laughs> I feel like I'm a mom over here. Kids, yes. stop doing that. Yes. Oh, inappropriate things come out. Was so many inappropriate things. Too much for my brain. You said it, and my brain exploded. <laughs> anyway, so we talked about briefly how we met, mm-hmm. and so yeah, going forward while we were still in grad school i left i left the school roundabouts a year after we met yeah yeah Mm -hmm. right in that meantime um we frequented as we mentioned before the uh, mexican restaurant Mm -hmm. for margarita nights because Mm -hmm. grad school makes you want to drink so much that's why literally that's why there's an alcoholic surge when you in people who do go to grad school. Because grad school fucking sucks. 
Yeah, it's not fun. Um, it is nothing like undergrad. Um, just like high school was nothing like undergrad. Undergrad's nothing like grad school. Yeah, and it co- it does it makes you want to drink because you need some some way to relax you. You need right. some way to unwind from the chaos. Um, because a lot of the times, especially when you're in grad school, everything seems so finite. Like there's no end. There's is nothing. There's no end in cipher things. Like if you were having trouble with your PI, there's no end in it. If you have trouble with a teammate, there's no end to it. Especially when problems like that crop up within yeah. your first year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, because you are in that program for most likely another three or four years. Yeah. And like that's a big chunk if, of your life. Three years is if you are beyond on track. Right. Like, um, we, I think you also know a person, uh, this person who they actually came in with me. They started my year and they graduated, um, by year three in the program. They Must graduated with their nice. PhD. Well, they had a master's prior. Okay, well, that does help. Yes, but they, um, well, most of my group had a master's. Mm-hmm. But the difference was, and this makes all the difference in grad school, is the projects. Yep. His projects worked. His projects, he worked on nonstop. He pretty much, Eat, slept, research. Eat, slept, research. Which is what they want you to do. In America, that is the atmosphere. For sure. And honestly, cut down as much on the sleeping and eating as you can. Mm-hmm. There's really while no still need. being productive. Yeah, like, they don't... They're trying to change the atmosphere on it. But it's hard to change the atmosphere when you've had people who grew up in that atmosphere recycling mm-hmm. the same idea of what's needed. Ideals, yeah. yeah. Even though that we're trying to get that to change, it's still very hard. Um, newer t- newer professors tend to be better about it, but yeah, that doesn't mean they're going to be great at it. Um, you got to talk to them about when they go wrong, too. Some right. of them are good about accepting when they've gone wrong, and some of them are very bad about it. And that's part of it. It's like, for example, our program. In the first semester, you pretty much had to choose where you're going to go research. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you would have chosen that within the first month. Yeah, but there is a contingency for if you're, you know, between two or three different PIs. Yeah. You can take a little stint in each of their labs. and Yes, because a couple of people did do um, where they split uh, PIs. Yeah. I and split in my first year or my first semester. Yeah, and that makes total sense depending on the projects. But for most, this is, for most people, they have to choose one PI unless mm-hmm. there's a specific project in mind. And then they can have a collaborator, but yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, if you and your PI do not mesh and you don't fully um, mesh after the first year, it can be very tough to continue. Mm-hmm. And it can be very tough to switch groups at that point. Because even though um, they're trying to make it so there's no stigma around it, there is quite a stigma around it if you do decide to change groups. And again, this is different for each program, each department. Um, And again, people are trying to change this. However, it is still very current that you are... There's a stigma around the fact that you change groups after a year. It's usually deemed at, and it's nothing, it's usually, people usually do not think it's anything the professor does. They usually right. believe it's the student that's the fault. The student didn't work hard enough. The student does this wrong. The student just doesn't know how to work with others. That was a common one I've heard. And now they're trying to jetpack somewhere else. Exactly. They're trying to um, mosey on over somewhere else. I truly think there should be a better situation in line in the situation of like, this. there should be um, someone in each 
department who aids in these situations. And I don't mean just a graduate coordinator. Graduate coordinators are very busy just trying to get people in, getting people set up, and all that. I'm talking about someone who is an advocate, basically, for the students. Like a graduate interventionist or yeah, something. Yeah, like... and I don't mean just the graduate students. I also mean mm-hmm. the undergraduates who do do research because, especially STEM, I can talk about this wholeheartedly, STEM is not great about disabilities. What? I know. It's very shocking. Um, they are not good about disabilities. The disability departments and offices on campuses, they do their best. I'm not saying they mm-hmm. don't. They do everything they know how. However, they do not know that it's so different in STEM. They do not know the stigmas associated with STEM and disabilities. Um, so they have a hard time. And unfortunately, because science in general is so niche, it is very hard to find um, accommodations that will suit the need. Even if, you know, it's previously worked for other people, depending on the disorder and disability, it's not always finite and it's not always great. And so, like, I know I've used many different things to try and help with doing classes. And it, unfortunately, like, they can, I will be given someone a textbook to do a live transcription for me. So I sent them the textbook online and told them I sent them my schedule so they knew where we were. But unfortunately, classes do get put behind and then sometimes they move forward more than they should. And they don't always understand the words that are being said. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't always understand the words that are being said. I I know I've messed up many words because long words mess me up. Um, that's just a speech thing, especially um, scientifically. A lot of words have um, R's, CH's, um, M's in it, and S's that mess me up. And so if you put those in there a lot, for one word that I have to say over and over again, I'm going to mess it up at least three times in one like presentation or something. Mm-hmm. But I do believe there should be at least one advocate who is there who can aid in these different um, frustrations and issues that do occur. But as of right now, as far as I am aware, I have not known of any position like that. I would love that kind of position, honestly. Right, to just make it your mission that yeah. the, the peace is kept and that everybody is minding their own goddamn business. Exactly, um, because there are there is so much stigma, and it's like any department, unfortunately, rumors do spread. And so if something's get negatively said about you by one professor to another, by the end of the day, all the professors know that one thing. Yeah. Like, it's unfortunate that it can ruin your reputation with an apartment like that, but it does. This is a lot of PSAs. I was just going to say, like, so just make sure you choose wisely. This is just a long PSA. But like we said, we've had different um, experiences in graduate school. Um, Most people actually do not discuss the bad things that do go on in graduate school. Right. Because once they finish, they're like, it's done. I can forget all of that bad stuff. Yeah. I think I've come to terms with what happened for the most Mm -hmm. part with me. I've come to terms with a lot of it. I just wish I could. And I guess that's why I brought up, like, there should be something like this. I thought about that kind of position a lot. Like, if I had someone who I felt comfortable with, who I felt would be really able to help me and had the power to truly help me, I think I would be in a better position. Um, and I would feel I would have felt a lot more comfortable. And I may have I may have tried to fight harder to stay. Maybe right. I- I'm still happy I left when I did. As a full disclaimer, neither of us finished our programs. No, I did not finish my PhD program. I did get a master's though, and I didn't even do that. So. <laughs> But yeah, there there is in STEM fields in particular, and we've talked about it a lot, mm-hmm. there is this air of 
superiority and huge entitlement and if you are not a neurotypical white male Mm -hmm. you are immediately at a huge disadvantage Mm -hmm. and if you have to backtrack redirect or anything like that a major part of your academic or work career you are immediately labeled as someone who doesn't work hard enough that you couldn't hack it not that it was anything avoidable it's more of like oh well maybe you don't need to be here then yeah it's more so like um maybe you just don't have the skills and yeah you don't have the guts to be here very much you don't have the gall you're too weak for this and I've been told that multiple times in my chemistry career that I was um I've been told I was told in undergrad that I should have been let allowed to continue the chemistry program to the point that oh. I was at with the professor at the time. Ooh, spicy. Yeah. That was a thing. Uh <laughs> he was tenure. <laughs> So. Right, yeah. And that's that's another thing that I wanted to bring up is that when, yeah. if any of you are thinking about going to grad school or um, have recently started, you know, whatever point in life you may be at when you hear this, mm-hmm. there are some things that after talking with other people and um, educating myself on a lot of things and going back over my life with a fine-tooth comb as I am wont to do. Mm-hmm. That's just Saturday night for us. Right. I feel like (laughs) it's obviously not the basis in a lot of our problems, but Mm -hmm. one of the big things that you talked about was choosing projects correctly. And And choosing PIs correctly. And PIs. Mm -hmm. So an issue that we both ran into that led to completely different problems Mm -hmm. in that front is that we both chose new professors. We did. And yours just didn't know how to handle anybody that wasn't a neurotypical white male. And my problem stemmed not from my advisor, because she is one of the most supportive and understanding people I've ever met. Yes. Um, It's because I got put on a very pioneering project. Yes. And that's what drew my attention was like, no one was working on this Mm -hmm. except my other lab mate at the time who started like a month before I did. Yeah, that's how I got into mine too. And it's super exciting Mm -hmm. and it's just like guaranteed to get you a paper as long as you can get anything out. And that's the problem. (laughs) That's where your problem is. But that's the the problem with pioneering projects. If it's not established, you're going to hit wall after wall after wall after wall after wall after wall after wall. Yeah. And I will say... Pioneering projects are fantastic. Again, that's how we both got drawn into our perspective groups. However, Mm -hmm. another big thing is how much your PI actually knows about that project. And I don't mean like they got funded. Sometimes they're funded for it. Sometimes they're not yet. And Mm -hmm. so they're really looking for those results. Because again, new professors need that research money in. They got something to prove. Yeah. And they need you to be. They need you to be on the top of your game. And if you're not, that's a big problem. And, like, all professors want you to be at the top of your game. But for new professors, there's more, um, there's more on the line. There's more at stake for them. Yes. They're looking for more money to come in. They need to get tenure. Like, there's a lot associated for them. Which is understandable. They're stressed. We're stressed. Mm -hmm. However, if your PI does not know a lot about the project's, like, basis, like, in terms of, like, yes, it's a wonderful idea, but they don't know how to synthesize something, and... They are telling you you're doing it wrong, though. That's a big problem. Because they're telling you you're doing it wrong, but somehow they don't understand it either. They don't know how to fix it. 
Right. You need a PI who's willing to learn with you and willing to help yeah. you. Especially on pioneering projects. Exactly. And like, again, like your your PI was willing to help you. Oh, yes. She. I just couldn't deal with the walls. I was going to say, like, it's it's very hard to force yourself over those humps, though. Especially mm. when there's nothing coming in. And I've always been, like, an overachiever. Yes. I've always been, like, perfect at everything I've picked Same. up. And mm-hmm. I just... My ego took hit after huge hit, hit after yeah. hit after hit. <laughs> I, I will say mine didn't take a huge hit until um, the issues piled up. Mm-hmm. It was causing a lot of conflict between me and my PI just because of our own ways of handling the news and handling the situation. Right. So uh, you do have to just be careful. And like, I know we've gotten into grad school a lot, but we, that was a big thing for us when we, when our friendship began. And it was a large part of our friendship until pretty much now. Yeah. Like our friendship is half grad school and then half outside of grad school now. So our friendship has been um, continuing to grow and continuing to change outside of grad school. But since we're starting from the, from where we began we did begin in grad school we did have a lot of issues there and like we we had to deal with different issues and watching each other go through it was really hard as a friend and as someone who cares about the other person mm-hmm. it's been very hard to see how we both have adjusted to like outside graduate school because neither of us thought we would be in these positions we both thought we would end up with phds in chemistry and that's not where we're at and, like, it's been really helpful to watch someone else, I guess, kind of not immediately bounce back right after. It's not like grad school happens and you can immediately bounce back. You do no. have to, especially if you leave in a negative light or not on great terms. Like, I personally did not leave in a good light or great terms. However, um, I'm glad I got my master's. I'm glad I, I went through and did that, at least. Because it's enabled me to leave the South, which is what I've always wanted to do. And it enabled me to get in a position where I'm at least thinking about going to classes again someday. And like, I want to look, I'm looking at classes now and like trying to figure out what I kind of want to do. And like any classes at this point will help me whatever with whatever I decide to want to go down for my career path. But mm. it used to cause me so much anxiety to think about so much now i don't go into a panic attack thinking about it which for me is a huge thing for the first year after graduate school i went to a i would have panic attacks anytime i thought about it i would have huge anxiety attacks and i I was a complete mess afterwards people like to think like oh it's great you're come out fine people are trying to talk about the mental health effect on from graduate school on people long term now but for a long time, people wouldn't talk about it. For a long time, people... They still don't like to. They, they still don't like to, but people are forcing their hand. And that's why I really like looking at uh, scientific journals. Um, because they not only focus on scientific discoveries, they focus now more on putting the time into researching and writing about the mental health issues that do affect graduate students. The mental health issues that affect people long-term in scientific fields in general. They're trying to start talking about disabilities in science they're trying to talk about you know the racial inequalities in science which are extremely important and have a huge effect on who everyone is in graduate school pretty much that's why i was like that's why we're talking about it so heavily is because 
that for our friendship that was a major part and that's how we bonded too was because we both had this desire and we both wanted to do very similar things which was teach and teach our college and so for us it, it took up a lot of our time it took up a lot of our energy and we bonded because of our differences in what was happening in our situations because we were we are very similar people but we were dealing with very different issues at the same time. And so it was really helpful to have someone who was going through an issue but understood how you were thinking during that time and could see why you were feeling that way and why, you know, why you react the way you reacted or, you know, why or they tell you, you know, you really shouldn't have reacted that way. I get it in the moment, but you really shouldn't have done that. I mean, like, I think what was great about both of us together was we would call each other out on when we were just wrong. Like, we called each other out when it was just a wrong thing for us to do. And when we were just in the wrong, in what we did in our situations. Oh, and then we'd discuss, why do you think you did that? Yeah. Okay, but was that the best thing you could have done? Mm -hmm. We have a very sarcastic, Mm -hmm. but constructive friendship. We really do, and that's why I love it. Because, like, I I love being sarcastic. It's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) So, but I also love someone who can be direct with me. Because, like, it's not just, like, we're sarcastic and we're direct. We're also very supportive of each other. Like, we may not understand why you're doing something, but, like, we understand you want to do this. So we'll support Mm -hmm. it until something's not right, pretty much. Yeah, until we feel the need for intervention. intervention. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was one of the things I've always loved about our friendship was just that we did have that uh, ability to just... Be frank, but also be vulnerable with each other. So, because it wasn't like we would t- just take the criticism and that was it. We would ask more about the criticism. So that way, if we didn't understand where it was right. coming from, it was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense now. So it was like, it was helpful. Yeah, we went through graduate school. It was a thing. <laughs> a whole thing. It was a whole thing. Yeah, so you left grad school and then I left a year after. Um, but at the time we were still in, uh, the same town as me. So we were still able to hang out during that time and everything until you moved during that year. And then, then I moved home when I graduated. So I moved home to Tennessee. That's where I was from. Four months after that, after I moved home, I got a job opportunity in Washington to be a teacher. So I came and took that and now I'm a lab manager. (laughs) Well, there you go. There you go. That's my perspective of how everything's gone. So do yep. you have anything to say or add? Yeah, so uh, after I left grad school due to uh, emotional and family issues, I actually hopped departments first. Mm. I did, I think, like four months in a different department, yeah. and literally nothing changed. And after the graduate coordinator for that department pulled me in, uh, after talking with my new PI, uh, it was decided that I needed to take some time off, and um, they said they would accept me when you know whenever I wanted to come back. Yeah. But after like a year of being off, because I stayed I stayed in town for about a year and a half mm-hmm. after that. But after about a year of being off, I was just like I I don't I don't need to be here. Yeah. Like I we... need to be somewhere else. Yeah. After about a year and a half of moseying around town and having a couple of jobs there, and then my mom's health took a slightly worse turn, and then my relationship was falling apart that I had at the time, I just relocated 
I moved back to my hometown. Yeah. I mean, I at the time it felt like I was admitting defeat, which is not a no. good feeling, but it was, I, I I needed it. Needed I needed it. A, a reset. You you need not just a re- you need a reset, yeah. I didn't know if you said erase or reset initially, so I was like... Yeah, I needed a reset. I yeah. needed to just, like, back to square one, Yeah, what am I doing? And I think it was really helpful, too, because you moved back to an area where more your family was, so you mm-hmm. had more of a cushion of, like, support to try and, right. like, restabilize yourself. And I think that was, like, the best move you could have done. Like, I missed you, I was sad, but I knew it was a better thing for you to do like i knew that so and it was definitely one of those things where like you wanted your friends to stay but you knew long term they would be happier there and they would be better off and more successful long term from this than they would staying where they at i know at the time you thought of it as defeat but it it was a definite need you needed to do it was not defeat it was what you needed at the time and it's it's taken me a long time to get over like that feeling yeah just like because most, i failed i have disappointed myself i've disappointed so many people yeah we're both and... very type a in that way in the way of like we want we have a certain level that we expect are of ourselves and we feel like if we don't hit that everyone around us will think less of us and we definitely will think and less we definitely us. will think less of us yeah definitely oh yeah i thought like i mean not to interrupt you but just so I catch my timeline up with you after, um, cause I, when he initially left, I was still in graduate school. I think when you left, I started having like the roughest time. Yeah. Cause there was a lot of other things happening. Yeah. And, um, I went into a depressive state that I hadn't felt in a long time because after undergraduate, I started my antidepressants for the first time Mm -hmm. and I had no idea how good you could feel. (laughs) I thought what I was feeling until that point was normal. And when I started taking the meds, I was like, oh, (laughs) that's not normal. There's a better option. I remember, because like, um, my mom said that was one of the defining moments for her was when I said, I didn't know you could feel like this. And she was like, like, everyone knew I was depressed. Like, it was not a shocker. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been depressed since like, at least sixth grade and it was no shocker but i refused to go on medication because there's such a there was such a stigma during that time around it because you gotta remember this was early 2000s mid Mm -hmm. yeah mid 2000s at this point so it was like there was a big stigma around medicating yourself and i was young i didn't feel like i was i could have depression i was too young to be depressed like they were saying and when i started taking the meds and they they weren't a high high dose at the time because they saw you low so i started low and um initially it was like nothing was different and then long, when you take longer and they increase you then i was like oh i'm different <laughs> but i will say like um because i had to really um graduate school was when i started finding myself because I did not know who I was when I wasn't depressed the whole time. Um, It was a major, um, I thought of that as a personality for some reason. Uh, But like, like I said, like I didn't think I could be depressed. So I thought it was my personality. I thought it was part of my personality. Um, But yeah, I started realizing, you know, it was part of my personality. But when I, when Lance left, external factors were happening for me and 
I guess, really depressed. I was pretty much in hiding from everyone. It didn't matter who you were, your connection to me. I was hiding from best friends. I was hiding from everyone I could think of. I was I went I was in a therapist office and I started hiding from my therapist because I was so far gone in my own head I was like there's no point what is the point in me getting up from this bed to go to the appointment for 40 minutes where I say everything's in ruins nothing matters just to be told like think of like your anxiety on a leaf or something like, I, it was not a situation I was in where there was an easy answer or a simple fix. Mm-hmm. So I went to a major depressive episode. When I say I graduated later in, like, August, I didn't really graduate. I actually um, passed the spoken presentation portion of my thesis defense. However, I needed to um, finish my thesis. Um, they had a lot of issues with my thesis. It took me another semester to really work through it um, because anytime I looked at the thesis, I got major anxiety from it and I just went into an anxiety attack anytime I looked at it. It was one of the most frustrating, depressive things I could ever I ever imagined going through because I knew I needed to do it, but anytime I looked at it, I went into, I literally went into an attack. I didn't know what to do. I uh, started disassociating a lot more and it was very um chaotic during this time though i actually started a relationship and it was my first long-term relationship and we went on for a year and a half so he was with me through the chaos of lance leaving and he was the person i was relying more on because i wanted you to rely on me so i was relying more on him to help me through it then when i did my defense i had to move out of my apartment a couple of days before the defense and i was living with um one of our close friends at the time and then that weekend um, after I passed my friends came down from Tennessee to help me move back to Tennessee they also helped one of them came up stairs into our department with me and they helped me move um, all my stuff out of my desk because I didn't want to go in there with people there because I knew People were talking about me. I knew there was a lot going on around me regarding my situation at the time. And I didn't want to deal with that. And so I <laughs> I went in and I started emptying everything out. But I just saw everything I had was research related. And so I was just sitting there like, what do I do with this? Like, I don't, this is because like technically when you do research, for anyone who doesn't know, when you do research, your lab notebooks, your lab results, everything is technically owned by your PI, that department. So you are technically not supposed to take anything with you result from those things, like results and stuff. So I didn't know what to do. And so I just stacked everything up on a desk outside of my PI's office. <laughs> it took up the whole desk, all my stuff. And I was just sit- standing there looking at it. This is three years worth of information I've done. And I was just standing there looking at it like, and yet here I am <laughs> putting all of this on a table and I'm just getting my master's out of this. It was like a crazy, like, this is what you've done way of, like, um, seeing This is it. what it amounted to. Yeah, it was an ins- Kind of moment. Exactly. It was really insane. These friends I've had since, like, oh, high school. <laughs> and so they were wonderful to come down. They've helped me move in and out of the apartments. They've they've helped me move. Uh, they, they've helped me travel just from Mississippi to Tennessee when I needed to for um, medical emergencies and stuff like that. Like, they are amazing people to have in your lives. And, like, that's what I always... Um, hope to be in other people's lives like i can't help you move i don't drive however i will help you pack up your car and pack up other people's cars 
I'll do that. <laughs> and so, yeah, so then I moved back to Tennessee. I was unemployed for four months, <laughs> which when you have your bachelor's, it was a sinking feeling <laughs> that no one wanted to hire me. Like, I got a lot of interviews, don't get me wrong. It was just people who had bigger degrees than me would get those positions. Or I was overqualified. And so they didn't want to pay me the pay I they were supposed to because of my education level and my experience. But then, um, <laughs> so I started working. I got a job opportunity at Kohl's, who anyone knows is a major department store. And <laughs> I worked there for like a week. And this was in a November, three years ago now. I work there for a week, I come back from a shift, and I'm bone tired. I am I am an overweight person, this was a physical demanding job, it was a lot of listening to others and talking, which drains me because of my neurological issue, so it's like, I was extremely exhausted. During those times, I would go into sleep at 7pm, like, easily, and no one was allowed to wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> even my mom was like don't wake her up just leave her <laughs> she's tired she look like it it was disturbing how like and it wasn't like i was extremely out of shape like i i kept in fairly okay shape like i could handle myself a lot of the time but um this was a lot of lifting moving lifting lo- moving and no ac and so for me uh-huh. that was yeah and we let in the south you can't just do that <laughs> So for right. me, it became physically demanding, and it was very hard on my stomach. But one day um, on the weekend after I worked a shift, I had the next day off. I am awoken by my mother at like 2 a.m. saying, get up, get dressed. I'm having a heart attack. The <laughs> ambulance will be here in a moment, and we need to go. <laughs> I was like, okay. I think that's literally all I said. I said, okay. And I put on the clothes I had been wearing the day that day. And just left with her once the ambulance came. It was a very long process. And I'm I'm one of the people in my family. I'm Me and my mom are the two people in the family who kind of like organizes everyone together and gets them to where they need to go. Mm. And so for me, I was organizing my sisters while our mother's having a heart attack. The first doctor that came in, she was acting like my mom was like having just like a heartburn. And my mom didn't understand what a heartburn felt like. And so me standing there, I li- she left. I didn't say anything while she was in there. And I, I went up to my mom and I was like, if she comes back and she tries to release you, I'm fighting and do not try and stop me. Mm-hmm. And then um, she got moved upstairs and I was told, she told me to sleep. No, I had like seven hours of sleep. I just looked like shit. <laughs> I was so drained and I was... I was planning to spend the whole day sleeping, not in the hospital. I slept in the chair next to her, and, like, the doctor came in and saw me, who had been our doctor for years, and he was just like, tired, huh? And she was just like, yeah, you know how she is. <laughs> I was like, you... <laughs> and so then she got moved to the cardiac, thoracic, uh, like, area. Um, I organized my sisters to come in that morning, and, uh, which was you know, a lot of fun. When we're in a stressful situation, we do listen to each other very well. We're just very different people. And so we react very differently to um, stressful situations. Like, mm-hmm. I did not cry or like, I wasn't allowing myself to feel anything until uh, the doctor came in. And you can, this is how you know we're in the South. He came in and he asked me and my sisters with my mom to be in a prayer circle as we prayed over her surgery. And we did it because we're we're not, we're not religious, but we're not cruel either so we participated my older sister was like i can't believe we just all did that and that was the first time though i was i allowed myself to have emotion because I, it was the first time i was allowed a moment to, of silence 
pretty much. Mm -hmm. Where I didn't have to organize, where I didn't have to really think about it, where I wasn't like, she's getting moved to this room, like, this is what I need to remember about how to get to this area, and everything like that. So, like, and, like, right after that, like, I was, you know, the moment of silence, I looked at my mom's eyes, and I almost started crying. (laughs) The next day was Monday, and so I went home, because I had an interview that day for um, a school here in Washington. And I did the interview on the minimal sleep after emergency. And my sister is listening to me give this interview. I hang up and she says, that was one of your best interviews. And I just looked at her and I was like, so we should have mom have a heart attack every week, I guess, then. Or every other day. <laughs> right. So that way I have good interview. But she was like. That would be my good luck charm. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know what happened, but that was the best interview you've done that I've listened to. I was like. Not exactly what I want to hear right now, but okay. Still thank you, mm-hmm. but... Uh. Yeah, it was one of those, like, <laughs> thanks, question mark. But um, I actually got the job the next day I got the call saying I got the job. The next day, my mom got released from the hospital. And I told her, I have two weeks to move if I'm going to accept this. And she just looked at me and said, why wouldn't you accept it? But I was looking at her like, oh, I don't know. Maybe someone in this room had a heart attack in the last... Three days? I seem to remember. <laughs> and she was just looking at me like, no, you go. And she's, and that's the one thing I love about my mom. She's always been extremely supportive of anything that made sense. <laughs> and even when it didn't make sense, she was very supportive. And she tried to understand. And, um, but she was like, no, yeah, I had a heart attack. That doesn't mean you don't go. <laughs> and so I was like, all right. Pretty much um, one of the sayings in my family is, hey, you know. So she, pretty much what she was saying is, yeah, I had a heart attack. But hey, you know. And I was like, all right. And so I moved to Washington. I worked at a school for nine months uh, where I primarily handled students with disabilities. Then I got the lab manager opportunity and I pretty much lived in the same place the whole time. So nothing big there. And then um, actually about a year ago now is when I broke up with that relationship. I started at the end of grad school. That's when me and him broke it off. And I have had no one since. (laughs) Because no one can stand me. I have a month tolerance. I've dated people. So I've dated. But there's a month. Like, that's the max anyone has been able to say. After one month, either they meet someone else they like more. Or they decide they want kids. And then they're like, you know, we can't do that then. I don't want kids, by the way, guys. These alpha males can't stand a strong woman that don't want no kids. I know. It's really weird, actually. They want someone who is alpha, but won't be alpha to them. Yeah. The, the, the beta alpha. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't understand my life. But um, yeah, so that's pretty much all come up on me now. So you may finish your timeline now. Right. After I, uh, after I relocated yeah. to my hometown, I was here for two, three months, mm-hmm. something like that. And got the offer for my current position. Yeah. At the time, I was living with my grandparents because my mom had relocated to the coast, which oh, is where she yeah. always wanted to live. I forgot she did that, actually. She seems to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, shit jobs notwithstanding. Yeah. But that's everywhere. Exactly. But at least she loves where she lives. That's the more important right. thing, yeah. That is that is the important thing. Yeah. And um, shortly after I got that position, I think like maybe two months after Mm -hmm. I started that I moved out of my grandparents' place Mm -hmm. because your boy needs his own space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, it was great that they allowed you to stay there while you needed it. Oh, yes. Very very grateful. Just, Just, it's not my cup of tea. Same here. Don't get me wrong. After four months of living with my family, I told them, I love you guys. I just need you to live less with me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, like, I've lived with other people or not around them for, like, at that point, seven years because I went away for undergrad, too. So I was like, for mm-hmm. seven years, I've had to live with you guys full on for over, like, a two-week span. So, like, for two weeks, I get you guys, and it's fine. But after two weeks, it's nonsense. Like, <laughs> my patience starts to go. Yeah. <laughs> and, like I said, my sisters and I are all completely different. So, when you have all of us being very different, and then on top of that, somehow, my mom's able to communicate with all of us, it can get very intense sometimes. <laughs> and just not always what you want. And at that time, I didn't actually have a room to myself. All my stuff was packed in different areas of the house and um, because my younger sister had took over my room when I moved out for undergrad. And so since then I hadn't officially had a room. And so she, at that point she had two rooms and like she I wasn't, um, I stored stuff in one room but I didn't have that room. So it wasn't like I had a private area. I literally would go into like uh, I would go and hang out in my mom's room if I wanted to be alone for a little bit. And, like, they understood that. But it was just, like, you know, everyone understands. Living with your family sometimes can be a bit much. Especially since you all know how to work each other's nerves. Yeah. So that's really where it comes down. Like, when you have roommates, they don't they don't always know how to work your nerve. But family. But your family always knows. Family always knows. Yeah, so I guess for me at least, I don't know about you, how you feel since leaving grad school. I think for me, um, since leaving grad school and my mother having the heart attack that sufficiently uh, challenged me and pushed me mentally. <laughs> since then, I've actually had... Apparently pushed you all the way to Washington. Yeah, it pushed me all the way to Washington. <laughs> like, again, though, with my mother's like love and you know push out the door she also pushed me to do it Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like i just left an alien mother my younger sister still lived with her and like she had my older sister lived lives a town over it's not like she's alone right and if she if somehow my younger sister was not in the house she would move back in and like my older sister would figure something out our mom is like our number one like we all agree nothing can happen to the woman (laughs) so like we are all on point for her. Yeah, since that happened, actually, everything in Washington has been great for me. I love the area. Um, I've met wonderful people here. None of them Lance, but, you know, mm. I still love them all the same. Yeah, so for me, I think everything that happened, I think, was good. I'm in a, situa- I'm in a situation where I love where I live, where I feel like I'm happy. I just know long term I want to be happier, and I know I need to do more to get to that place. Right. So that's where I'm at mentally. How about you? Uh, I'm still stressed. I uh, I think we had talked about it a bit yeah. last episode okay. that I am immunocompromised mm-hmm. and I'm also not too terribly much of a people person. Yeah. So taking a pharmacy technician job at a retail pharmacy was probably not the best move, but it has taught me a lot. And though I haven't particularly enjoyed my time there, I enjoyed the connections that I've made with my coworkers since the pandemic started. My stress levels have skyrocketed, but I think everybody feels that. I was going to say, I definitely feel that. I'm not in nearly a social situation like you, but I do know... It puts pressure on all sides. It puts pressure on all sides, and I, like, you actually drive i don't so i um use transit everywhere so mm-hmm. for me that was my major concern was the fact that i do have to use transit everywhere was that i was going to be potentially exposed that way so like as of right now there's only one vaccine that's shown 
a lot of promise. Right. So right now, like, we're just all very concerned about where what's going to happen once that vaccine's released, because it's only, as of right now, 90% effective. So there's still a good margin of error. There's an additional piece yeah. of information that I learned yesterday about it. What? It apparently has to be stored at negative 70 degrees. <gasps> oh my god! <gasps> Like degrees Celsius? I'm not prepared to make that distinction because I don't remember. Okay. But um, I just want either way. Yeah. That's fucking cold. Yeah, I was gonna say either way is cold. It's just still a difference of coldness. That is much colder than any regular freezer can get. Yeah. Uh, most again, this is just my experience. Um, the most the freezers I've seen get is negative twenty degrees Celsius, which is why I was asking about what what's the temperature like in Fahrenheit or Celsius. Right. Was just because of that distinction was um I know the lowest I've ever seen is negative twenty. I do believe they go lower just because of biological cir- circumstances. Mm-hmm. But for long term, seventy degrees. But see, we're but we're even talking about like for like my pharmacy yeah. is preparing now for when it comes. Like, we're stocking up on immunization stuff yeah. and all that. But, like, if we have to store it at that temperature, say, how would you the costs are going to skyrocket. Yeah. Because we're going to have to get a freezer just for that. Well, that's what I was going to say was because, um, that's why I was also asking because the negative 20 degrees Celsius one is when I was at um, grad school. That was the time I've only mm-hmm. ever seen it that low. And so that's why I was wondering is which one it was because, like, I can't imagine all the pharmacies having to get one like that. Because you know all pharmacies will have to. Right. That's a major game. And see, it's stuff like that. Like, there's going to be people who may not be able to afford it, even though everyone should. It should be like a flu vaccine, honestly, where everyone should be allowed to get it. It's a thing that affects all humans. Give it to all humans. Like, make an opportunity for everyone to be able to do it. And if they choose not to, that's a whole different issue where we can talk about, but still. I I looked it up. It's uh, Celsius. Oh my god. (laughs) <laughs> right no 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 no. see and that's why the, there was a distinction i wanted because again the only time i've seen a negative 20 was when i was in grad school when you're at a university or at a research institute where you can shovel money yes, out like that and that's why you get funds retail pharmacies can't hospitals won't be able to handle that either hospitals mm-hmm. can barely like my thing was like the most i can think of is like they could put it in the morgue but no, you really can't put it in morgue, but it's like, what do you do then? So it's, it's that's going to be a very costly thing to do. Apparently, there's already been a run on industrial freezers. Of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> as soon as that came out, I'm sure every CEO was like, get the damn freezers! Yeah. <laughs> That's, and that's what that's what's so frustrating with capitalism. It's like, everything's about making money. I get it, but at the same time, I just... Just supply to people what they need or like figure something out. And that's why it's like, I know for me personally, as they try and open more things up, I'm going to get a little bit more um, concerned than I am now because at least right now for my state, people have been fairly good about the Must be nice. I was going to say that again, this was only from my state and this is my experiences that I've seen. I've seen people with, you know, the nose exposed and everything. I'm not saying everyone's been a genius, but I'm saying at least people are attempting to wear a mask and are attempting the six feet and doing things like that. Not everyone, but a good portion of people are trying because we're in, I'm, I'm in like the Seattle area. I'm not in Seattle, but it's like those surrounding areas are very massive, have tons of communities in them. Mm-hmm. you easily can get that spread easily so it's like 
that's why I'm saying, like, I know for us, like, a lot of people who do have to use transit and stuff, they've been extremely cautious because that's exposure that we can't afford. So I do know as people are going to lift things because of the vaccine, I'm going to get more concerned. And I'm going to be probably one of those people that are still wearing masks for a while after because I need to make yep. sure everyone is it's probably going to be like a year, honestly, till I feel comfortable with not having to wear one majority of the time. I think that's when I'll get concerned moving forward from here, um, just because you'll probably get more exposure once the vaccine's out to others. Oh, yeah. That's where I'm going to be more concerned. Yeah, this year, everyone has a lot uh, on their plates. Like, you know, anyone who is in pharmacy, anyone in medicine in general, you know, thank you. And I hope people are being extremely kind to you because I do know there's not people being being kind to you and you deserve all the kindness right now for what you do and what um, you're helping people stay alive and helping people um, get their medications to stay alive. So extremely grateful during this time for you guys for remaining calm and remaining kind while people can't handle this and are not reacting kindly to you. Riding the uh, positivity wave, mm-hmm. looking toward the future, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, I guess before we look to the future, we should probably talk about why we started this shindig. I mean, I know, yeah. I know in our early friendship, mm-hmm. a lot of people said that we're just like funny to listen to. Yes. Because we just, we talk about anything and everything mm-hmm. and, you know, we get our, our quips in and our innuendos and double entendres mm-hmm. and everybody generally has a good time. Yeah. People usually um, like We're us. also very, we're both like very passionate people about yes. topics. Yeah. And we end up being very passionate usually about the same things. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, hence why, how we can talk about like SVU for like five or I was going to say, I was going to bring that up again as a way of saying like, yeah, we've literally talked about SVU, a fictional show with fictional characters. And we've usually, we've spent hours dissecting them and proving to each other which one's superior yeah and we will try our best to recreate that series of conversations and we're so sorry in advance (laughs) (laughs) yes if you don't like svu i don't know what to tell you we'll we'll try and preface it so you know don't waste your time but (laughs) yeah like we'll tell you at the end of the episode before just like the next like five episodes probably just gonna be us talking about benson and then the next 10 (laughs) we'll talk about stapler (laughs) one of our friends boyfriends say we should start a podcast yeah is that how the idea seeded yes that was um because uh he had just started his own podcast okay and i think i think this was around the time he started his own and he suggested we would be good at this because we have a fun interaction and stuff like that but uh that was a few years ago and we bounced the idea around a lot tons it's gone through a lot of iterations. Yeah, and then reviewing this, which is, I think, a more hodgepodge kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's very, uh, whatever we feel like talking about in the moment, kind of. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, this episode, you know, we did come in with a general idea of what we want to talk about. But we do try and keep it loose so that way things happen naturally between us. Because we are both not people who like to be stagnant. And um, especially right. if we have to talk long term, we'd rather be able to be loose about it. But yeah, so that's in general a long term uh, thing of where we've been. You know, Lance is uh, trying to get into graduate school and um, so. I'm trying to just figure out what I would like to do long term. I think we decided we started this specifically at this time 
because of the fact, even though we've gone through the many iterations of it, this timing was needed. We have mm-hmm. both been needing uh, social interaction. We have, Like we both have said, we've both been extremely stressed from our different situations in life currently. This was our like breather moment of being able to talk to each other, which is why we're not cut and dry. Like we're gonna ask these specific questions to each other because of the fact that we're trying to. This is our time to be together, have some fun, have some laughs, in, not take everything so seriously with where we're at. This is our like chill time, and we take it very. This is our uh, very close cathartic out. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know about you, but this has allowed me to be more creative. I'm not a very creative person by nature. And so for me, this has been very cool because like we've been trying to develop um, our artwork. You know, we've been listening to different music, trying to get inspired. It's opened my mind in that way, which is a fun thing, especially when um, like for this year in general, for most people, they've been very stagnant. And so anything where you can open a new part of your mind when everything's dull and meshes together and time is not a true thing anymore to you. It helps to kind of like bring you back to reality and focus your mind on one thing and relax your mind on something. Branch out, lay your, uh, lay your roots. Yeah, and I think that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, this is why I think this time we've actually been able to sit down and do it. It's because we finally found a system where we can be a little structured but still be loose like we wanted to be. Because that was the mm-hmm. magic too. That um, even though you know. Um, our friend's boyfriend suggested we do this. That was part of it was the fact that we didn't know how structured we should be because part of what made like our conversation so enjoyable is that you never knew where they were going to go. We didn't even know we where they were going to go. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and like you saw like how um, we'll just talk on. Like I've been told many times like I'll talk to a wall if I'm allowed to. Do you think I should about wrap us up? Because otherwise we'll be rambling for another three hours. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, I think that's a good place for us to end this episode. All of our uh, social media things will be in the show notes, mm-hmm. but email is jadedrosespodcast mm-hmm. at gmail.com. At this time of recording, I don't think we've set up any of the other social medias, but... It may be in the description by the time we upload this. Yeah, they'll be in the show notes, but we're, we're still going to shoot for some form of Jaded Roses with or without podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll see y'all next time, I guess. We'll... You'll hear us next yes. time. We won't see any of you. No, nope, never. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys.